What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Come on, let me hear you real quick. How you doing? My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, we want to say welcome. So glad that you are here the Sunday after Easter Sunday. He's still alive, right? He's still alive. He's still alive. He's still working. He's still moving. Um, Listen, if you got your Bibles, do me a favor. As you're turning to the book of John chapter 2, I want to just remind you, if you got your Bibles, great. If you don't, you can look it up on your phone. You can look it up on the app, as Pastor Brian said. uh, Or you can just follow along with me as we go forward. As you're looking it up, I just want to remind you, refresh you, maybe inform those who are visiting. We're about four things here at Victory Church. And we call them the four Gs, growing, guiding, giving, and going. And so we're helping people grow to know God helping people guide to find freedom, helping people be able to give out of their purpose, and then go and make a difference. And so you can can leave that up there. That's fine. And so we're making people, that's the four goals we have, the four Gs. And and I always like to take a moment and kind of highlight one of the Gs. And for the next few weeks, I want to highlight the going aspect of this church because you are such a giving church. And because you're such a giving church, we're able to do so many different things in the community. I've got some pretty cool announcements over the next few weeks about things that we are able to do for the very first time as a church in the mission field and different things like that. But today, real quick, I want to highlight what you did last week. Because of your giving financially and because of your giving and serving, check this out. On campus, there were 303 people enjoying Easter experience. Come on. So in in case you need to be able to have context, we are a little bit over a year old, and last Easter there were 186 on campus, this Easter 303, all right? So God's doing something. Here's my favorite part. I know we we celebrated this a minute ago, but we got to give it the right celebration, all right? Out of 303, 28 people committed their heart to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's what it's all about. That's why we give. That's why we had egg hunts. How many of y'all enjoyed the adult egg hunt, right? That's what it was. That's going to be our new thing next year. We're going to take it up a bit. We're going to have a guys only and a girls only, 50 age and up. It's going to be happening next year. So go ahead and start telling people now. Be ready for that. But I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for a church that's passionate about the mission, and the mission is to see people give their heart to Jesus. And listen, if you're here today and you were here last Sunday and you gave your heart to Jesus or you just visited and you've, you've known the Lord Hey, the next step is to get involved. The next step is to check out Growth Track, get on the dream team. Over 100 people on our dream team served to make last Sunday happen, and I am so thankful. So can we give a hand to our dream team real quick? Thank you, dream team. Thank you, V-Kids team that's watching online, everything. It's incredible. So excited, all right? Amen. As Pastor Brian said, we begin a series today called You asked for it. And what we did is last Sunday, we kind of gave the cards, the same cards you might have gotten when you came in, and said, hey, listen, here's the deal. If there is something that you are asking, what does the Bible say about this or this is happening? I kind of made this statement. I feel like a lot of preachers are preaching and answering questions nobody's asking. And I want to answer now. I can't do it all 52 Sundays of the year. There are things that I have to teach and things I have to break down for you. But, but there are just times I feel like throughout the year where we need to stop and go, hey, what are you asking? What, what are you wondering? What's happening in your life that maybe we could look at what the Bible says about that and help you? in this season. And man, there were some interesting questions, some profound questions. I saw questions that were simple, but incredible. And I saw questions that had to be difficult for some of you to even put them down 
on paper. And I'm excited to be able to, over the next, like Pastor Brian said, four or five weeks, try to address as many as I can. I'm working something now. I haven't told the production team yet, but I'm working something now, maybe a PDF file where I could answer every question. Some questions you can't preach on for 30 minutes. You know, some questions, they're more of a simple answer, but I want to be able to answer it for you. And so we're working on that process uh, to try to get every question answered over the next few weeks. Cool? This is the question I thought we would start with today. This question is this. How do I remain happy when life is so heavy? How, how do I remain happy? We had a lot of questions falling in this category. How do I keep my joy? How do I remain happy when I'm constantly dealing with stuff? And when I read that question, here's the thought I had. You know, as a pastor, I'm learning more and more that we may not struggle with the same things, but we all struggle with something. So it may not be the same. I may not be dealing with what you're dealing with, but we're both dealing with something. And we all have something going on this week or something that happened over the weekend or something will happen today when we get home. And the real question is, how do we keep our joy? How do we stay happy in the midst of all of that? When everything's not going the way we planned, how do we keep our joy in the process? And I thought it'd be fun to answer that by looking at John chapter 2. We're going to read nine verses and this story that you may or may not be familiar with will really set us up as we move forward. John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana, Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So Jesus, his mother, and his boys are at this wedding, and all of a sudden the wine was gone. It's a problem. Jesus' mother says to him, they have no more wine. Jesus says, woman... Why do you involve me? Come back to that a little bit later. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And then his mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever Jesus tells you. And nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. We'll break down that in a little bit too. Each holding from 20 to 30 gallons of water. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. In other words, fill them to the brim fill any empty space, and so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. This is the story that you may or may not have heard of before where Jesus, it was his very first miracle, turned water into wine. He was at a wedding. The wine runs out. Jesus takes a jar of ceremonial washing water, which we'll talk about, and turns it into wine. And you could very well right now be going, what in the world does that have to do with me being happy in my life of happiness? Well, here's the deal. To understand while we're reading these verses, you have to understand that in the Bible, the word wine symbolizes the word joy. Wine symbolizes joy. So wherever we read wine, we could actually replace with the word joy. So what you have is a room full of people that should be in a very joyous moment, and they have ran out of joy. What, what do we do when we're in a place where we should be happy, but we've run out of happiness? Well, what do we do when we should have joy, but, but as we turn it open, it's just one little drop left? What do you and I do when, honestly, if other people look at our lives, they would say we have so much to be happy about, yet we feel like we are running empty on joy? What, what, what do we do? I heard a pastor say one time, God doesn't want you to be happy, he wants you to be holy. And I understand what he was trying to say, I really do, but I don't think that was very accurate. 
And here's why I don't think that's accurate, because I know God to be a loving father. And those of you that are parents and you love your kids, you probably want your kids to be happy. Am I right? And so if God loves us, which we know he does, he wants us to be joyful. He wants us to have joy. He doesn't want us to be unhappy. And so I understood where the gentleman was going, but it was a little inaccurate in that aspect. But here's the way I want to officially announce it. I don't think God wants us to be happy. And here's why. Because happiness comes and goes. Because happiness is up and down. Because happiness is depending on our circumstance and our situation. I don't think God wants us to be happy. I think God wants us to be filled with joy. They're two different things. And for us to be able to understand what that looks like, I have to explain to you today the difference between happiness and joy. Because once you understand the difference between happiness and joy, you can understand that your goal is not to be happy while life is heavy. Your goal is to have joy when life is heavy. So here we go. Number one, happiness is found in something while joy is found in someone. If you have happiness, you probably have it in something while joy, you have it in someone. In verse Three of John chapter 2, all of a sudden the wine is missing, and I love this. Mary turns to Jesus and she says, they have no more wine. Listen, let's read this this way. When the joy was gone, when the joy was gone, Jesus' mother Mary turns to Jesus and says, they have no more joy. Everybody in the room is panicking because the joy has run out. Now, we have to understand culture at that time for you to understand why this is a big deal. Because in 2019, we would just have somebody run to the local liquor store, get some more wine, and they're all good again. Doesn't work that way back then. Back then, weddings lasted an entire week. It was a week-long experience. Fathers, could you imagine if your daughter's wedding lasted for a week? We can't afford an hour. Could you imagine a week? So it lasts for a week and the wine runs out. And this is a big deal because the wine for them was one of the best things of the party. And we'll get to that in a minute too. And so they loved it and it was such a great experience. But you have to understand why everybody's panicking. Back then, if you messed up the wedding reception, the mother-in-law could sue the groom. How about that for a mother-in-law issue, right? My mother-in-law's here today, right? And it, we never had that kind of problem. She could sue the groom for running out of wine. So everybody's panicking, and they're running crazy, and they're freaking out, except for Mary. Because Mary knows something that nobody else knows. Matter of fact, Mary knows someone that nobody else knows. Everybody's running around. They're panicking because they've run out of joy. Meanwhile, the source of their joy was in the room the entire time. Can I tell you something I'm learning? God will let you and I run out of the thing that makes us happy so that we will learn to need his eternal joy. We're always complaining when that thing runs dry, but God wants it to run dry because we have this stereotypical happiness found in it that will not last and will not sustain us through hard times. So God would rather teach us that if you can run away from that and run to the right joy, when heaviness happens, you won't waver with it. And so think about it. How many times have we had something in our life that brought real happiness, but it ran out? And now when you look back, remember that guy or that girl that you really wanted to date in high school, and they didn't want anything to do with you? You look back on them now, and you're thinking, woo-hoo-hoo, thank goodness I didn't make that mistake, right? That would have been a mistake. That's because that would have made you happy then, but it wouldn't have made you joyful long term. So the Lord will let what makes you happy run out. This is why people are single and unhappy. And this is why people are married and unhappy. See, sometimes when we're single, we think as soon as we get married, we'll be happy. 
Some people think that they're in their marriage, they think if they get single, they'll be happy. Right? This is why people can have a lot of money and be unhappy. And people can have no money and be unhappy. This is why people can be in church all their life and be unhappy. And never been to church their entire life and be unhappy. Because our joy is not dictated by our circumstance. We have to understand that. That your circumstance can never be the one that dictates your joy. I saw this picture one time, and I can't illustrate it that well up here, but it said, no Jesus, no joy. All right, and y'all probably seen it before. You can put it here. It said, no Jesus, no joy, but it was kind of, you know, that's the way you saw it, but then it had highlighted real, real deep the no part. I don't know if y'all have seen this. So it said, no Jesus, no joy, but then you could also see how it said, no Jesus, no joy. And I thought that was cute, and I thought that was creative, but it's not accurate. It's not true, because I can enjoy a lot of things without Jesus, okay? I don't know about you, but I have had a lot of fun without Jesus. I don't need to be saved to enjoy a Krispy Kreme donut. Am I right? Have you ever had a donut pre-Christ? That donut was good. I I don't need Christianity to go into Five Daughters Bakery or to go into McDonald's, those are two totally different things, and enjoy food from there. Now, that enjoyment that I have the moment I wake up in the morning and step on the scale That enjoyment is gone, right? It goes. I I don't need to be saved to enjoy the Nashville Predators playing in the playoffs. I don't need to be saved to enjoy that. But when they lose, there that enjoyment goes, right? I don't need to be saved to enjoy vacation with my wife. A couple years ago, we went to Orlando. My wife loves to go to Orlando and ride roller coasters and things. And this particular trip, I had a lot going on. So I said, babe, you just plan it. You plan it all. Learn from me, people. And so I usually plan it all. It's whatever you say we'll do. So she gets the tickets. We get there. We get in the rental car, PT Cruiser. Remember when those things were cool? All right. So we got in a PT Cruiser, and we go, and we pull into an apartment complex looking for a hotel. And I was like, this ain't going to be good. And so I'm like, babe, you realize this is an apartment complex. Like when you rented it, you didn't rent an apartment complex, did you? And she's like, no, 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 no. And so we go in, and we find out that they had renovated. They had taken like an old apartment complex and renovated it into a hotel. I still wasn't quite sold on it, still a little worried, but here was the moment where my worry just sky, whatever the opposite of skyrocketed is, right, pivoted, pivoted, you know what I'm saying, thank you, plummeted, and so we walk in to check in, we go into the hotel, we check in, and they hand us our room keys, watch this, and they hand us our TV remotes. Like, if you're worried that someone's going to steal the TV remotes, this is going to be a bad place to stay. You know what I mean? Like, why would they, st- they don't even have, they can't take the TV. Why are they going to take the remotes? Like, it was just that, and the enjoyment was just gone. So, so here's what I'm learning. I don't need Jesus to enjoy things. But I'm not, so I'm not saying that without Jesus there's no joy. But here's what I'm saying. With Jesus, it's a different quality of joy. Because you can enjoy stuff, but as you step on the scale, it's gone. You can enjoy stuff, but as they lose, it's gone. You can enjoy stuff, but the second they hand you your TV remote, it's gone. But when I have Jesus, there's this different quality of joy. Only Jesus can give me inward joy when I'm in the midst of outward turmoil. Because if my joy is dictated by my circumstance, then as my circumstance goes, so does my joy. Right? If, if my joy is founded in recognition 
then as my recognition goes, there goes my joy. If people are recognizing me, I'm happy. If they're ignoring me, I'm sad. If my joy is dictated by my Instagram status, then as my likes go, so goes my joy. If my joy is dictated by my financial situation or by stuff, then as my finances and my stuff goes, so goes my joy. That's why my joy can't be dictated by my circumstances because my joy then becomes wishy-washy. And as long as my joy is found in something, then my joy goes with that something. But if my joy is found in someone, then my joy goes with that someone. Let me ask you this. When life gets heavy, where do you run to for your joy? Now that you've got that answer in your head, whether you want to say it out loud or not, let me tell you this. Where you run to determines when it runs out. Where you run to for your joy will determine when your joy runs out. One time I was dealing with a situation about four or five months ago. I've shared this before. A lot of people who go to church here know this, that I often will go to the YMCA, and I spend about an hour that morning walking and praying at this track, and then I come down and work out for about an hour. And that, that, I've been doing that now for three or four years at different gyms, and that is just my time with God. I, I can't explain it. I'm not telling you you need to do it. It just works for me. That's just the moment for me where I have time with the Lord, and he, he does a lot for me. And so about four or five months ago, I got a phone call dealing with the church that was kind of a heavy phone call. Uh, it was some things that I, I didn't think I should have been in the situation. I thought I was handling it right, but the other person didn't think, and it was just kind of an awkward moment. And I was at my house. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd already been to the gym that morning, and when I got off the phone, I looked at my wife, and I said, I got to go to the gym. She said, you've already been to the gym. I said, I'm not going to work out. I'm going to pray. She was like, okay. So I jumped in the car. I drove to the gym, put my gym clothes on. I went up to the track, and for about 45 minutes, I just walked and prayed over this situation. God, you know this situation. Uh, you know how I got here. I feel like I did the right thing. This, this, this other person, this individual, this is, not, this is going weird. I just need you. And for 45 minutes, I just walked in a circle and prayed on this one situation, just over and over. God, I need you. I need you. And after about 45 minutes, I'm not saying the time mattered. It just was right for me. And about 45 minutes was over. I said, all right, I've built up enough steam. I'm going to go work out. So I went down started working out. While I was working out, I got a phone call and everything was fine. The person called me and said, hey, you were right. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it was over. Because I ran to who? Jesus. I'm learning that my joy depends on who I run to. When, when something happens, where do I run to? Most people, when something happens in life, they inform Jesus. Right? God, I got this going on. God, I got this problem. Man, I was feeling good. But then, you know, she said she wanted to divorce her. Man, I was doing great. And then I got that bill. We inform Jesus when something is going after our joy. But if you pay attention to what Mary did, when the joy ran out, she didn't inform Jesus. She what? Involved him. There are two different things. You can inform him or you can involve him. I love that statement. I love how Jesus said, woman, why do you involve me for my time has not come yet? I thought about trying this on Darla. You know, like Jesus said. So like later on tonight when she's like, you know, hey, can you put the kids to bed? I'd be like, woman, why do you involve me? My time has not come. How do you think that's going to go? And those of you that know Darla said, rest in peace, Pastor Troy. It was nice knowing. Wouldn't that be fun? Woman, why do y'all try that? Husbands, when you get home today, I'm just kidding. Don't try that. When you go out to eat for lunch and the waiter brings you your bill, be like, waiter, why do you involve me? I just thought that was so cool that Mary involves Jesus. She didn't inform him. 
She involved him. And so many of us, whenever the joy starts to leak out of our lives, because listen to me, joy leaks. And when it starts to leak out of our lives, we want to inform Jesus instead of involving him. And when you want pure joy, when you want joy in the midst of a heavy season in your life, quit informing God and start involving him. The next time something goes the way you didn't expect it to go, where are you going to run to? Because where you run to determines when it runs out. If you run to friends, it's only going to matter how long they're willing to put up with you. If you run to a bottle, it's only a matter to the bottle's empty. Wherever you run to, it's just a season of time of how long that thing can keep you happy. But when you run to someone, you run to the only well that never runs dry. I love Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. Watch this. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence. Can I just help you real quick? That does not mean in church. I felt the presence of God giving me joy. I was in the track of a YMCA. Don't ever read that and think that means you have to be in church. Now, don't get me wrong. Church is a great place to be. His presence is always thick in the church because we come expecting. But I'm telling you, he'll show up in your car the same way he'll show up in this church. He'll show up in the bathroom. He'll show up in the bedroom. He'll show up on the back porch. He'll show up in the weight room. He'll show up in the work room. He'll show up wherever it'll show up because you need his presence to have the fullness of joy. In his presence. I want to be happy when things are heavy. Then quit informing him and start involving him. If your marriage is rocky, if your marriage is heavy, that's because you've been informing him about your marriage and not involving him in it. Listen to me right now, couples. If you'll pray together, everything will be better. Watch. Guarantee you, just praying together alone fixes it. Happiness is in something. Joy is in someone. Second, happiness is found in the special, while joy is found in the common. So watch what it says, verses 6 and 7. Nearby stood six stone water jars. It's important for you to understand this. Now, this is not a good replica of what they would have looked like. They probably would have been about this height from the ground up. But these would have been jars that they filled with water because back then they didn't have vehicles. So everywhere they went, they walked in the dirt. And so when they showed up to somebody's house and they went over for dinner, and they knocked on the door, or for a wedding, and they opened the door, they would come in, and the very first thing they would have to do is wash their hands and feet. So there would be these ceremonial jars filled with water. They would step in, they would take some, wash their hands, wash their feet, and now they are ready to go into the wedding. So they had, because this was going to be a big event, normally a house might have one of these, but because this was going to be a wedding, a long-term wedding, there were six stone jars filled with water there. And everybody... Everybody at the wedding had walked right by them, right? Everybody in the wedding had used them. Everybody in the wedding was aware of them. But at this moment, when all of a sudden the wine's gone, they're all panicking. And nobody is paying attention to these jars. So you've got empty jars over here that people are panicking about, but nobody's paying attention to these jars. And I'm learning the more and more that I grow in my relationship with God, I'm learning that he often puts joy in the things we walk by. And the things that are common in our life and the things that we don't pay attention to. We're so busy focusing on what we don't have that we totally forget about what we do have. That true joy, happiness comes in a special moment. Happiness comes for the weekend. You ever heard that? I'm living for the weekend. Well, your life sucks. 
Because out of every week, you've got two days. And everybody knows you don't enjoy Sunday because Sunday you got to go back to work the next day. So really what you have is one day, Saturday, woo! I'm going to suffer through six days to live for one. That was never God's plan. He wouldn't have made seven of them. He wanted us to enjoy every one of them, but we're thinking that happiness comes in the special. How many people suffer until vacation? Oh, man, three more weeks till vacation, right? I'm, look, I do the same thing. Don't, I'm not, don't let me sound like I'm high and mighty. Two weeks till vacation, one week till vacation. How many of y'all feel like vacation lasts about six hours? You right? You know what I'm doing? It's like, didn't we just get here? And we're already going home, and then you need a vacation from your vacation, right? And you're broke, you know, you ain't, now you got to work overtime to pay for your vacation. And so we're, this is what we do, we wait on it. Oh, happiness, happiness, happiness. And I watch people returning home from vacation, and they're so upset because their happiness was put in a circumstance. And now that happiness has run out, and it's not there anymore. And God was saying, no, no, that was never. Now listen, it's okay to have happiness on top of joy. Can you hear me? You're going to be extra happy on vacation. You know what I mean? You, know, you ain't got the kids, perhaps. Maybe you're on the beach when normally you're in the snow. You're going to be happy on top of joy. But joy should never be dictated by your vacation. You should just be able to have happiness on top of it like whipped cream. You know what I'm saying? Joy will come in the common things. As long as we're trying to find happiness in the special, it's going to come and it's going to go. And it's going to come, and it's going to go. And I've learned that if we're not careful, as soon as life brings us something we're not paying attention to, then all of a sudden, even on vacation, our happiness is gone. One time, Donna and I were going to, I think we were going back to Orlando one time, and we were going to, we, we were going to ride with some friends. We were going to, car, not carpool, but I don't know what you call it, but we were going to all ride bumper to bumper. And uh, Donna said, hey, I found these tickets, and they're really cheap, and we can go this way, and we can get there quicker. And I'm like, okay, we, we did that. We bought the tickets, and our friends left, and we were going to fly the next day, and our plane kept getting delayed, 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 delayed. We missed an entire day. And finally, I looked at Donna and I said, I'm not going to miss any more days of our vacation. So we went and rented a car. <laughs> we, all, we were going to ride with them. Now we went and rented a car. And then we drove 12 hours from 6.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. to get to Disney World. I slept for 45 minutes, and then I took my 9-year-old kid, or she was 5 at the time, 5-year-old around Disney World an entire day. You talk about sucking the joy out of some happiness, right? So that's what I mean. If, what, what happens if all of your happiness is on these two days, and then something happens on the two days? This is why you don't take phone calls on the weekend, I don't want a problem. This is my happy place. But as long as this is our happy place, then when life gets heavy, happiness is gone. But if there's joy on a daily basis, because joy is in the common things, how many things are you and I walking by? How many things are you and I standing by? When I was thinking about this and studying it, I thought, I wonder if during the wedding there was somebody just leaning on that jar. You know what I mean, dude, putting out the vibes, dumb and dumber, you know what I mean? I'm going to go over and put out the vibes. Just trying to get a, just trying to see a chick, you know, hey, man, how you doing? How you doing? You know, just, just, just sitting there having a good time. Leaning on the jar, the thing he's leaning on. Because God will often take what's common to do the most miraculous. I was looking through some pictures a couple days ago. We had pictures of Darla and I when we were dating. Y'all... I wanted to marry that girl so bad, I didn't think she was going to like me. Darla drove a pickup truck. I had diamond earrings that you buy from the little store in the middle of the mall. You know what I'm talking about? 
where the earrings, when you go to ask them, they're like, they're $50. And you go, well, I'm not paying that. And they go, give me 10 You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I had big diamond earrings and the long white tee and the white chain that Lil Wayne probably had. You know what I mean? It was just, and the, the Air Force, I was stomping in my Air Force Ones, you know. <laughs> and she was a pickup truck girl, cowboy boots, you know, just that's just who she was. And so I saw these pictures. I remembered. I literally could remember that feeling of going, man, I just hope she falls for me. We were dating. I just hope she marries me. We've been married now for 13 years. Thank you. I hope we made 14. I love you, baby. I hope you watch live stream. You know how many times I have to be careful not to become complacent with the thing that's in my life that gives me joy, but because it's common, I can find myself looking other places. You got your phone on you? Let me see your phone real quick. Most of us, this is where we look for happiness. Meanwhile, the wife is right here that we were praying for for years. And so we can find ourselves close to the fulfillment of joy, but it's so common that we don't look at it anymore. Now, oh, man, look at her. Oh, man, what are they doing? Look at them. Oh, look at that job. Oh, look at that church. Oh, look at that shoes. Oh, look at that, those kids. And we're looking here trying to find happiness. Meanwhile, the very source of joy is right here beside us. But it's so common that we don't find joy in it anymore. I wonder how many of you are sitting by kids you prayed for. How many of you are working in a job you prayed for? But now you've been there for 10 years and it's become common and you don't see joy in it anymore. I just thought that was interesting, sir. I just thought that was interesting. That they are literally freaking out about an empty jar. Meanwhile, they all walk past six full jars. Here's what I think God is wanting us to learn. That joy is not a matter of fact. It's a matter of choice. It's not a matter of fact. Empty jars, full jars. Empty jars, full jars. It's just a matter of choice. I'm choosing to look at these jars. But if I choose to look at these jars and all of a sudden I give these to Jesus, now something that was common becomes something that's miraculous. The only thing that made these jars all of a sudden have the value of these jars was they gave it to what? Jesus. They, they, they say these jars would have been considered unclean. While these jars were prepared to hold wine, those jars were, were, were prepared to hold dirty water. The only thing that shifted them was it was given to Jesus. The only thing that shifts what's common in your life is all of a sudden you give the perspective to Jesus. And when you give it to Christ... This new perspective of purpose starts to happen in your life and you see your marriage differently and you see your job differently and you see your kids differently and you see where you go to work out differently and you see the restaurant differently and you start to see joy in the common things and that's why when something happens and everybody freaks out and you don't, people go, why are you different? I'm not different. I find my happiness in that, not my joy. I find my joy in Jesus. And so if my happiness goes, so be it. I still got joy. See what I mean? It gives us a different perspective of this verse as well. Psalm 118, 24. For this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. When I was younger, just, just new to Christianity and learning the Bible, I thought this verse meant that this day is great it's been a great day, and I will rejoice 
and be glad in it. It's been a great day, so the Lord must have made it. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. I made it home. You know, I had a good meal. I found 20 bucks on the concrete. My kids didn't fight on the way here. And I lost 10 pounds this week. It has been a good day. The Lord must have been here. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But that's not what happened. What that verse is saying is I'm going to take this very common day and I'm going to include Jesus. I'm going to involve Jesus. And because I've involved Jesus, he takes this very common day and he gives me reason to rejoice and be glad in it. I choose something to be glad about. I'm excited about something. There is something that I'm going to focus on and be happy about. I choose to rejoice over the fact that, hey, I'm healthy today. I choose to rejoice over the fact that, hey, I'm still married. I choose to rejoice over the fact that my kids are alive. I choose to rejoice over the fact that I have a roof over my head and I have plumbing inside my house. Right? There's enough reason to choose to rejoice. All you got to do is go on a missions trip and you got a lot to rejoice about. Right? Thank God that I got a toilet. When's the last time you woke up and went, oh, thank God I got a toilet. Thank God I ain't got to walk out to, to what do they call them things? Porta potties. Outhouse, thank you. How many of y'all got a washer and dryer in your house? Wash and dryer in your house. You have enough to rejoice about right there. Go to a laundromat one time. You'll be like, oh, I thank God. Oh, thank you, God. I rejoice and be glad in it. I'm finding a reason to be happy in the common things. Not the special things, but in the common things. What in your life have you been sitting by? Have you been walking by? Have you been labeling as common that should really be something that you find joy in? It's so easy to compare ourselves to everybody else and to find a reason to lose our happiness. But what if we woke up every day on a mission to find something to be happy about? God, what is it? Give me something to be joyful about. You're joyful when you're content. Lastly, happiness is found at night while joy is found in the morning. I want to give you a little bit of context on this next verse. We didn't read this verse in our original reading, but it really sets to show you how profound Jesus would take actual stories from that time and make it appropriate to our time. So John 2, verse 10. Before we read this, let me set you up. So Jesus, so again, they're out of wine. Everybody's freaking out. Mother-in-law is about to sue everybody. Jesus says, take the stone water jars. They take it. He turns the water into wine. They don't know. The servants who have the jars don't know it's been turned into wine. They're just doing what Jesus said because that's what Mary said. They take a spoonful of it. They go to the master of the banquet. He tasted it. Now, there's a whole other sermon in that because had he tasted it and it been foot water, they're dead. So there's a lot of trust in Jesus just alone, but they take it to him. It's wine. And then he says this statement. Watch this, verse 10. Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Here's what was happening at those wedding parties. There were a lot of people, they were trying to save money, so they brought out the best wine at the beginning, got everybody drunk, and they took the best wine back and brought out cheap wine, because once they were drunk, they didn't know the difference. That's just fact, that's what was happening. 
So when this master of the banquet, we're getting towards the end of the wedding, and he tastes it, he goes, wait, that, that's, that's the good wine. You're not supposed to have that out right now. You're supposed to have the cheap wine out right now. People are junk. They don't know any difference. We don't want to waste money. He said, you save the best for last. Let me define happiness for you. Happiness is when you are having a great time at night, but you're miserable in the morning. You know what I mean? It's when it starts off really good, but it has a really poor ending. It's when you feel good for a moment, and you numb that pain for a second, but then it disappears. That's happiness. Happiness is at night. Woo! Everything's great! And then in the morning, you're miserable. That is the process that the world gives us for happiness. Think about it. We find happiness in food. Oh, man, this is so great. I love it. And then the bill comes. Why did I eat that? Could have went to McDonald's for a dollar. You know, what was I thinking? That happiness is now. But then it's gone. The Bible says Jesus saved the best for last. Only Christ can give us joy that not only keeps going, but watch this, gets better as time goes. Remember that old saying, you're like a fine wine. You get better with joy, true joy, Jesus' joy is like a fine wine. It gets better with age. It's not the good old days with Jesus. Man, remember when that, man, that used to be fun. Every day is better. Every day is better. When you have your joy set in Jesus, every day is better. Oh, man, but, but did, wasn't your lighting bill about two times what it was last time? Yeah, but that, my, I might have lost my happiness, but my joy is getting better. You know why? Because I had the money to pay that bill. So my joy is in Jesus. Yeah, my happiness isn't special, but my joy is in Jesus. And I'm learning. The more that I've spent time with God and the more that I involve him in my life, that yes, happiness comes and goes, but if my joy is in him, then it stays. And every morning, there it is. It's new in the morning. And then I was reading this scripture that went along with it, and it didn't make any sense to me. I don't have it on the screen, so forgive me. But it was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it says, for the joy set before me, he endured the cross. I thought that was weird. Those of you that were here with us last Sunday as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus, if you know anything about the crucifixion of Jesus, I watched a documentary this week just on the crucifixion of Jesus and all he went through was not enjoyable. So I was really confused on how he set that in front of him. And the joy of that caused him to endure the cross you ever put joy in front of you to get you to do something you ever promise yourself dessert if you just eat healthy those of you that know how to work out you know what treat meals are that's when you put something in front of you so you can endure it so think about that you have all set something in front of you before as joy so that you could endure a process when was the last time the thing you set there was a crucifixion on a cross no? No time? Okay. Me neither. Because I don't normally say I'd like to get beaten with a whip, and that will help me endure this pain. Doesn't work that way. The joy that was set before him was the ultimate outcome of what he was going through. Happiness is focused on now. Joy is focused on the purpose of now. What's going to come from it. And again, when Jesus is our joy, 
we understand there's a purpose in everything that we're going through. And my joy is ultimately in someone who's taking me for eternity. So I'm not worried about what's now. If my happiness is in now, then I'm going to have a really hard time putting my joy in eternity. But when my joy is in Him, I don't get overwhelmed with now. Does that make sense? Troy, how, how do I stay happy when my life is heavy? Well, number one, you got to get your joy out of things and put it into someone. Right off the bat, because things come and go. There's a Bible verse that says man will let you down. You know what that means? I, anybody, the, great, the best friend you have will let you down at some point. Don't you put your happiness in people. Put it in Christ. How, how am I happy when life gets heavy? Quit looking at the special. Focus on the common. Focus on the little things that God's given you to give you joy. How, how, how do I stay happy when life is heavy? Start to believe that everything you're going through that you would consider heavy ultimately has a purpose. I was thinking it might be hard to find joy and purpose. I'll close with this. One night, I got to go to the Titans game with a friend of mine, Brian Hall. We go to the Titans games months ago, obviously. <laughs> they didn't make it to the playoffs. Um, and we're coming home. And Brian Hall serves in V-Kids Elementary. And uh, we pull into my driveway. Brian and Nikki, his wife Nikki, they're two beautiful kids. They started coming to the church just uh, probably a month or so after the church launched. Some of the most incredible people you'll ever meet serve on the dream team. Just great friends of Darla and I. We love them to death. And... Um, Brian will tell you a story where, where he wasn't quite, like, excited to come to church that the first time he came. They came here because their daughter was really wanting to go to church. Brian didn't come in the doors going, yes, joy. <laughs> he kind of came in like, ah, we'll see. You fast forward however many months it was. I'm sitting in the car with him in my driveway. And somehow or another, we got to the conversation of dreams and purpose. And he said, Troy, I've always had the dream to start this youth home for kids to be able to mentor, you know, young boys. And I was like, first of all, that's incredible. I said, man, I want so much for Victory Church to be able to give you that dream, to give you that purpose. And he stopped me right there. He said, hey, let me explain something to you. He said, a couple Sundays ago, I was in the small group. They do small groups in V-Kids. And he had a small group of young boys. And they began to tell him stories of, about how he's already impacted their lives. Little kids, showing them pictures that they've drawn with him in it. And he said, I realized right then that God was telling me, you've got your home. You've got your youth home. It's right here. It's right around you. Oh, God, give me something special so that I can be happy. God says, it's right in the common. It's right here. Find joy in your purpose. When that wedding started, those jars were known for holding ceremonial washing foot water. By the time this story was over, they were holding wine. Only Jesus can shift our purpose like that. And in your purpose comes joy. 
I believe it with all of my heart. If you want to be happy when life gets heavy, involve Jesus and let him give you your purpose. Because for some reason, when I'm serving my life for other people, it seems to soften the blow when things get heavy. Amen, church? Lord, we thank you for who you are, for your faithfulness. I thank you that we don't have to live for the weekend. We don't have to live for the vacation. We don't have to live for the holidays. We don't have to struggle with where we're going to find our happiness when things get heavy. But the entire time while the world's panicking, God, you are present in our situation right there. You are the source of joy, and you're right there. So I pray for every person in this room, Lord, if they have not involved you, I pray today they'll involve you. I pray today they'll say something's got to change. I need him in my life. I know what Troy's talking about. I've been happy and I've watched it come and I've watched it go, but I want that joy he's talking about. For those, Lord, that they know you, they've already involved you in their life, I pray they'd understand the purpose that you have on their life and that they can endure the process of a heavy life if they can find the purpose in what they're going through. Thank you that you have a word generations ago that speaks to us today. And thank you that when we feel like we've run dry on joy, you're there to fill us up. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...